Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. Praise this morning. We're serving able God. Amen. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, the Bible says that God is able. He's not just able. He's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly above that which you could ask, think, or even fathom. How many of you have a big imagination out there today? I do too. I can sit back sometime and say, God, I, I believe that scripture, but I got a big imagination. I'm believing you for some big things. And it's not about just stuff. It's not about, thank you, Brother David. Y'all give Brother David a big hand. Doesn't he do a phenomenal job as our youth pastor? It's not about just stuff. It's about in the moments of my life where I need it the most. And I don't know about you, but I, I really don't see sometimes how people get through Sunday and Wednesday and things like that without pouring into the Word of God, being fed the Word of God. Uh, pouring into reading and studying God's Word. If we look around what's going on in the world at large today, we, we would be real quick, be suspect to think that, uh, that, that Satan has overcome this world, but he has not. Now, the Bible does call him the prince of the power of the air. Uh, we see in Job's, uh, in the book of Job, the first chapter, that Satan had to also approach the throne of God before he could do anything. I want you to understand that Satan can't do anything that God hasn't allowed. It should be an encouragement to you today that no matter what's coming into your life, what's coming out of your life, uh, relationships, financial situations, anything that happens has not come out of some place of obscurity that Satan has brought into your life. We read in the book of Job that God has allowed it to happen. In fact, Marty, if I, as I read Job chapter 1, it was God's idea for Satan to come against him. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And of course, so, uh, Jesus, um, Satan's response was, of course I have. But you have a hedge of protection about him. And I want you to know this morning that there is a hedge of protection around every single person under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or listening by podcast, God is sovereign. What does that mean, Mark? That means that nothing in this world can happen unless God has allowed it to happen. I also think sometimes we give Satan too much credit. I think a lot of times we'll blame things that are going on on, on Satan. Keep in mind all evil stems out of that fall of man, the nature and the, t- the, the tendency of man to sin fall, started with that little incident in the garden that has propelled us into all men have now died and entered into a place of sin. But I want you also to understand that you and I have been given what could be one of the greatest, yet one of the detrimental, most detrimental things that we can possess, and that is that of free will. We look across the world today, guys, there's, a, there's an uprising. I think it's important that in the church we draw the parallels between what's going on out there and what's going on in here. Why is that? Because here's the interesting thing. As I read this book, and I have, I've read it from cover to cover, I realize that everything that you and I see unfolding right now has already been spoken of in the Word of God. It should not come of a surprise that you and I fall into times of persecution in our life. It should not come of a surprise to you that people out there are going to say things about you just because, and hear me, just because you're a child of the Most High God doesn't mean that everything is going to go well in your life. In fact, if I read this book and understand it correctly, it says this, that because I'm a child of God, I'm going to get attacked. There are things that are going to come in and out of your life. Please hear me. If you're here for the first time, let me give you one of the fallacies uh, to, to, to being a Christian. When you become a child of God, doesn't mean that you're going to step out of situations of attack and persecution. I might say it this way. You're going to step right into the middle of it. However, the Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord are called according to His purpose. It also says that the thief comes to, to kill, steal, and to what? Say it with me. To destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life, and not just have life, but have it how? More abundantly. I want you to hear that today, church, because as I look out and survey the world at large today, 
There's a group of people. Now, we can give them several names. We can call them the Muslim Brotherhood. We can call them a, a lot of names. We can call them ISIS, which is the most uh, mentioned term right now uh, by way of the media, by way of, of the Internet and YouTube. And you've seen it. You've seen these barbaric, heinous crimes against humanity, the beheading of innocent men uh, for, for people to see, for their family. Can you imagine what their family must be going through having seen that terrible travesty right there on YouTube? And then they found out the other day that a lot of these guys that are doing this, they're located in America now. We've allowed them to come in and take over the very thing that we're supposed to be protecting. This is not a political statement. This is exactly what the Bible says was going to happen in the last day. In perilous times, this is what we can expect to happen. But there's hope. The hope is, and we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm not going to preach a sermon on the rapture of the church, but I do want you to understand something. There's a time where we need to understand God has not appointed you and I to wrath. He has appointed us to, to heaven, to glory. Everything that's going to happen on this earth as it's fully unleashed on this earth and hell is opened up in what we call the tribulation and the great tribulation period. You and I won't be here. And I praise God for that today, that God has made a way out. But I say that because as we start this new series entitled Persecution, I think sometimes when we look at people like ISIS, which by the way stands for Islamic State of Iraq and Iran and Syria, when we look at these people, I'm afraid that we've given them too much credit as well because I want to tell you something. They too cannot do anything that God has not allowed them to do. Now that may not sit well, it may not preach well, but let me tell you something. The Bible says that a sparrow cannot even fall to the earth unless God allows it. There's an eth ethnic cleansing is what they call it. A genocide, some may have called it. But can I tell you something, guys? It didn't start just a few years ago. It didn't start when we went into 1990 and we went into Desert Shield, Desert Storm. It didn't start before that. It didn't happen in the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia. And you see some of the stuff going on where we just took out one of the major leaders of ISIS in Somalia. I don't know if you're keeping up with it. You need to be watching the news. But more than that, you need to get your head in this book right here and find out what it is we can do about it. Because here's what I know to be true. We think we are persecuted when somebody across town says something negatively about us. We think we're persecuted when somebody says, well, I don't believe what you believe, or I can't believe you're going to that church, or I can't you doing this. Let me tell you something, guys. That pales in comparison to the 65 countries that are under persecution right now in this world that we live in. There's 100 million, that's almost uh, nearly a quarter of the United States population that is being brutally persecuted right now today as you and I sit in the comforts of this room. There are some that are being tortured for being a child of the Most High God. There are others who are being killed. There are some that are being beheaded. And we see that in the Word of God. In Revelation, we see they will be beheaded for their faith. We know that, that the Islam nation of it, the Islam faith, the Muslim faith, are the ones that are going to be the catalyst behind that because they're the only ones that still do that. And we see it in the Word of God unfold right in front of us. Guys, let me tell you something. There are organizations out there that you need to be privy of. Persecution.com, Voice of the Martyrs. Anybody ever heard of Voice of the Martyrs? Since they started, 14 nations have been liberated to where now it was once illegal, but in the last 30 years we've seen 14 nations liberated now where they can actually preach and they can actually teach, and it's not illegal, it's not a crime to own a copy of the book that changes our life, the Word of God, the Bible that he holds above his own name. The Apostle Paul wrote two letters to the church at Corinth. I want to read one of them to you. I want to read not the whole letter, but I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 18. It is one of the pinnacle 
parts of his second letter to the church at Corinth that I think will help you today. If you have your Bibles, I think we'll have that first up here. I'm reading from the King James Bible that, that Paul was speaking of to the church. And listen to what he said. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about, listen to this, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Literal translation there means that the person of Jesus might be made uh, seen in other people's lives as they look at you. In verse 11, for we which, are, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, it's very important to underscore that, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death worketh in us, but life also works in you. Verse 13, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore I have spoken, and we also believe, and therefore we speak. Knowing that we which raised up with the Lord Jesus shall raise up also by Jesus and, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, listen to this, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For we, which cause we faint not. Look somebody and say, you can't faint now. Look to them and tell them that right now. But through the outward man perish, yet inward man is renewed day by day. There is a renewal that God is calling the church to step in today. Listen, there is no doubt in my mind that it's the most frustrated time in the world that we live in right now. But can I tell you something? You need to be renewed today to know that God has a plan for your life. And now much more than ever do we need to tell a lost and dying world about Jesus Christ and him, and him uh, sanctifying our life and setting us apart from a death that is... Uh, to all men because of sin. Listen to this. This is a verse, verse 17. I want you to listen to what Paul says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they're temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, as I read verse 17, Paul calls these things going on light afflictions. Now, if I'm not a student of the Word of God, I will never move on several chapters later to the same letter and understand what light afflictions he's referring to. Because if I just look at this, I might say, well, Paul just had a pretty bad day at the synagogue. Paul might have just walked down the street and somebody called him a holy roller. Somebody might have called him at the office of Jesus Freak. Well, let me read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and following. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, Paul said. I am more in labors, more abundant, and stripes above measures. Listen to this in prisons more frequently and deaths often from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked and night and day I have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen of the Gentiles and in the city and in the wilderness in the sea and perils among false brethren listen in verse 27 in weariness and toil and sleepless often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness besides the other things what come upon me daily holy moly really my deep concern for all children but he says this but a light affliction why because he wasn't looking to his problem he was looking to the solution and his name was Jesus you see when life hits us right in the face 
whether it's being shipwrecked, whether it's being bit by a serpent, whether it's being called a name, whether it's being persecuted, whether it's suffering frustration as in being a child of God, we can stand boldly. And I think we need to do this because there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Why don't you just stand up and look Satan in the face and say, hey, I got the best that you threw at me, but guess what? On your best day, you can't beat me on my worst day in Christ. Because why? Because I am a child of the Most High God. The Holy Spirit that operates in me, watch what I can do. I can have dialogue with the enemy and tell him he is a defeated foe and that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You see, as as I look at all this, I understand that there's a time right now in which we live that we have a duty and a responsibility to stand up as a church and be a sending church to tell people over there who do not know about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Six point something billion people on planet earth, of which 2.2 to 2.3 claim to be evangelical Christians. And I say that's a big claim. 80-something percent of America claims to be a Christian, but boy, oh boy, we don't look like a Christian nation anymore. When one woman can stand up and say, I want prayer and public reading of the Word of God out of the public schools, and it changes a whole nation, yet we do nothing about it. That's hardly a Christian nation. But let's, let's take and move that aside for a moment. That tells me that two-thirds of the world's population today, if Jesus Christ were to come back, two-thirds of the earth's population would die and go into a devil's hell. That should not be okay with you. That should not allow you to sleep a sound, little, fuzzy, warm feeling sleep tonight to know. You say, Mark, should I be worried about it? Oh, I think you should be worried about it. I think you should toil over it. I think you should be bent completely out of shape right here in this room right now to get a burden for those people out there. And guess what, guys? 24,000 people in this community are not in church today. Mark, does that mean they're not saved? It doesn't mean that at all. But here's what I know to be true. If I'm in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, you ain't not going to keep me out of church. I want to be here. No pastor has to beg me to come. You don't have to beg me to give. There is no pastor that has any power over you to dictate what you should do and what you shouldn't do. If you're here today, young people included, y'all wave your hand at me like you just don't care. If you're under 18 years of age, I want you to stand up right now. 18 or younger, stand up real quick. I want you to look at these people, guys. They're not the the next generation. They're not the future of your church. They're today. They're happening right now. And if we don't get them right now, we have no church tomorrow. But y'all keep standing. I want you to look at me for just a moment. Uh Uh-uh, keep standing. Mama, pop him on the leg, make him stand back up. Y'all look at me, stare a hole through me. This is where the fish are biting right here. Check me out. I don't want you to ever believe a lie that you got to wait till you get old and dilapidated before you can do something for the glory of God. Right now is the time for you to step up and take and enter the ranks of a soldier for Christ. This man right here will not be able to make you do anything once you walk through the doors of that school. But can I also tell you something? No government can take prayer out of schools as long as you're in it. See, everything you can do can be led by you. David, you you and I, we can't go in there and say, all right, we're going to have a big youth rally right here. We're going to invite a band and we're going to invite a preacher. But let me tell you something, young person. You can go in there and you can fight for yourself. You can stand up and be counted and you can bring Christ into your school. Let me tell you, one group of people started a prayer by a flagpole several years ago. And today it is a national day recognized in our nation called See You at the Pole. Don't for one minute tell me you can't do something. Don't wait till you get old and look back and go, wow, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Do it today. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Y'all give them a big hand. Y'all can be seated. Y'all look great, by the way. 
How does Jesus look at persecution? Our text, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to bury ourselves in this over the next few weeks. I'm just giving you really a kind of a lead in to where we're going in the next several weeks. We're going to look directly at people who've been persecuted in the Word of God and what happened. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today because I want you to really understand and get your, get your head around this. Matthew, of course, Matthew's gospel presents Jesus and his kingship. And in Matthew chapter 5, we begin to see the unfolding of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, as we see in verses 1 uh, through, uh, through 12 and following. But Jesus is speaking, of course, and he, listen to this. He says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Underscore that. God doesn't just bless you because you're being persecuted. He blesses you for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you're mocked. When you're persecuted, when people lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you, listen, because you are my followers, by definition, persecution is when some peril comes against you. Listen, because, underline that, because you are a child of God. That's what persecution is. Just because you had a bad day at work doesn't make you persecuted. Persecution, by definition, is when someone comes against you because you are a child of God. And watch what he says. He says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. Has anybody ever lied about you? Anybody ever lied about you? Can I tell you something? God's blessing you for that. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Here's what he says in verse 12. This is what I want you to put your head around. He says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way when we pull our cart to a person like Job and we realize the Bible has spoken that he was an upright man he was perfect in all ways he was making sacrifices for his kids for the sins they might have committed and watch what happened he lost his house he lost his kids he lost his wealth he lost his cattle he lost his status and the very person he should have been able to look at which was his wife she said here's what I think you ought to do Job I know you're supposed to come in contact with some really good friends that are going to help you through this but here's what I suggest why don't you just curse this God you serve and die. She was basically saying, why don't you go ahead and take your life? Because you have lived a life set apart to this God and look what you've gotten for it. You know what he said? You foolish woman. He said, naked came out into this world. Naked shall I go out. And I love the fact that he said these words, though he slay me, yet shall I what? Yet shall I trust in him. You see, it doesn't take a lot of faith, Rob, to praise the Lord when things are going great. We're going to see some people in the next few weeks that praised him in the middle of the storm. You know, you know what's funny? I know where's, um, I can't remember who it was now. Somebody started a, a, going into prisons. And vi- not, not because they did anything wrong, but because they're visiting people. I know Greg Smith does that. But let me tell you something. Do you know I've visited jails and prisons, and there are people, I know we call it jailhouse ministry, but there are people that are in prison, locked behind bars, and have no freedom, yet walk more free than some of you in the church today. Galatians 5.1 says this, stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. How many of you are a child of God? Wave your hand at me one more time if you're a child of God. Let me tell you something. There should be a smile on your face. Don't anybody smile in the room. I want to give you a little exercise. Nobody's smiling here at all because you haven't been smiling up until this point, so don't cheat now. On the count of three, I want you to smile as big as you can. Look at the person that came with you. Just hold it for like five seconds. It's going to be totally awkward. One, two, three, go. Smile. And look at your friend. If you didn't come on nobody, just turn around and look even more weird the person behind you. Guys, we don't do that enough. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit will dry your bones. Do you know why the church isn't happy? I'm just going to say this out loud. You don't know this book. 
If you knew this book, man, it'd be a, I, mean, I don't know if this looks, baby, get on to me. I don't know, y'all be walking like this. That's pretty cool. Y'all didn't know I could do that, did you? I mean, you're like, you slide that foot. Yeah, I'm a child of God. That's right now. My wife's going, oh my God. How does Jesus look at persecution? You know, if we look in scripture, we realize that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is seated. Somebody go back there and get me a chair real quick. It doesn't matter. Chad, will you go get me a chair back here in the back? Or anywhere. If there's one anywhere, it doesn't matter. When Jesus was crucified, and he was dead, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he had nowhere to go. Y'all give Chad a big hand. That was quick chair grabbing. See, that's kind of servant positions we have here. He's a chair getter. You are a chair getter like your shoes. Yes, sir. But the Bible says when Jesus died, that he rose again in three days. And he went and took a portion of his blood and applied it to the mercy seat to make atonement. But not just to cover him out in your sin, but watch this, to take him away. Sin is not the thing that keeps you from a holy God today. That's been handled. When he said it is finished, when he said to tell us die, that meant it was paid in full. It was a bill that had been paid. The debt is paid. There's no owed. Anything else that needs to be done, you can't put him back on the cross. That was settled once and for all. And all that being said, when he went finally and ascended in Acts chapter 1, and he went to the, to the Father in heaven, the Bible says he took his rightful place and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Can I just do this? He kind of took up a little chair. Do you know why? Because the work was done. It was settled. When he said it is finished, that is not just a word. We shout from some Easter play and it sounds great. No, when he said it's finished, it was settled. Every sin you committed, everything you will do, and even the things you haven't done, the heinous crimes of a Charles Stalin, of Marx, of Adolf Hitler, and even the guy who held the knife with ISIS, it was settled in heaven. Sins were forgiven. The difference is, do we receive the finished work of Jesus Christ? It's payment for our sin debt. And he sit down. And he sit down. As if to say, at the right hand, by the way, which is a place of prominence. It's a place of honor. It's a place of respect. You see that day when he hung on that, that place called the skull in Golgotha? He hung on the right side. There's not the left side. It's the right side because it's a place of honor. Because he will be honored. He's earned the right to be the judge on all seats of judgment. One time in scripture, however, we see something profound happen. If you have your Bibles, and I'm, I'm going to close with it. I want you to get here real quick because I, I don't want you to miss this. In Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 6, I'll unfold for you tonight real briefly in a deacon ministry. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 60. Where was Jesus after the cross? Where is he now? Say it with me. He's seated Where? The right hand of the Father. How is he at the right hand of the Father? He's seated. Say it with me. He's what? Seated. Why is he seated? Because he's at rest. It's a place of prominence and authority. It's settled in heaven. He don't have to get antsy, guys, when ISIS rises up. He's seated. He's restful. It's settled in heaven. It's been performed. Listen, though. The Jewish leaders in verse 54, Acts 7, 
were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. Remember, Stephen was one of the first deacons, Acts chapter 6. They sent out and said, look among you, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and let them go out and serve the tables. Let them serve the orphans and the widows so that we may preach the word of God. That was the purpose of deacon ministry. And in Acts chapter 7, we see the rise up of persecution. They had arrested Stephen for, for teaching, for serving, for loving people in the stead of Christ. And watch what happens. After he gave this long dissertation, starting with the rebellion of the Israel people, all the way to to the point of Jesus' crucifixion. And he looked at him and he said, and he was killed and he was murdered at your hands. Now watch what happens in verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations and they shook their fists at him in rage. Verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, I tell you what, Ban, you come on and come. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to get through with this, but Ban, y'all come on and come real quick. But Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. Let me stop right there for just a moment. When trouble comes your way, where do you look to? Where do you, where's your hope lie? Thank you, young person. Where, where, do you, where do you go for help? Do you go to Dr. Spock? Where he said, hey, don't, don't spank your children. Put them in timeout. Yeah, timeout, right? Timeout so they can let that butt settle down after I wear it out. You say, Mark, are you, are you trying to poke fun at defects? No, I pray that no one from defects is here today. I think the, the statute of limitations has ceased. Has it? But the Bible says, don't you dare spare that rod lest you spoil that child. Hey, that's what the Word of God says, and it's timeless. I don't, I don't care what people say. And I believe you don't need to snack them, snatch them up and, and drag them around. I've seen stuff in the supermarkets, man, that freaked me out. By some of y'all. You're like, the Lord loves you. Wow, wow. <laughs> How many of you ever said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? You a story. But where do we look? But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. And listen, it inclines me to believe that there is a filling of the Holy Spirit. Why does he fill us up? He fills us up to be poured out. He says, hey, I fill you up that you may pour yourself out to someone else. He doesn't just fill you up so that you feel good about you. He doesn't fill you up so that as erroneously as some pastors stand up and say, so you can be happy, so God can be happy. Let me tell you something. He's not concerned with your happiness. He wants you to be holy. He fills you up that you may be like him so that you may pour out. And he said he was full. He was full at that moment. And when it began to come upon him and he begins to get stoned, understand these weren't little pebbles that they were tossing his way. No, no, no. They would put him down in a pit. And they would take a big stone and they would get it ready because that was the final blow. That's where that word came from, by the way. And they would begin to wail away. The people, the convictors, anybody that wanted to be a part could take up a stone and they could wail it out, tearing his flesh from his body, busting his head. They would strip him of his clothes. In fact, we see that his clothes that day were laid at the feet of a man named Saul of Tarsus who later became Paul the Apostle. That's a whole other message. Can you imagine? He's sitting in that, that hole and they're throwing him and they're condemning him and they're screaming at him. And, he, and he's sitting. That's interesting, isn't it? He's just gazing up in heaven. Bam, rocks. Hitting him from every corner. And he fixes his eyes on Jesus. 
the author and the finisher of his faith. Because he realizes, church, that the moment that he takes that final blow, when that final person at the hand of Saul takes that rock and drops it off and crushes his head, he knows at that moment he's going to open his eyes standing in the presence of Jesus. Hey, but, but that's Stephen. We don't come each day to worship him. Man, that's great. I mean, you are amazing, Stephen, because here's the fulfillment of a prophecy that was fulfilled in Christ Jesus, that he too, watch what he said. He said, don't lay this charge at their feet, but don't miss verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, but he saw Jesus standing. Wait a minute, that's a typo read that again because I, I understand the word of God everywhere he's going to be seated but it says he was standing in the place of honor he was on the right side that's right and he told him look I see heaven's open and he calls him a term David that you don't hear mentioned in the New Testament he says I see the son of man he's speaking of his humanity his humanity. Why? Because Jesus had, had to be fully God to take away our sins. But hear me, he had to, according to Isaiah 53, he had to be a man, one that was bruised for my iniquities. He was beaten and the chastisement of my peace was upon him. We looked at it, we would have looked away. He was nothing to look at. But in his humanity, Stephen, he understands what you're going through. He understands, young people, hear me. He understands what it means to be tempted. He understands what it means to be beaten up. He understands what it means to maybe not want to mind mom and dad. He understood all of that. So in God's sovereignty, he calls him the son of man. I see heavens opened up and the son of man standing in the place of honor. Says it again. Maybe that's a typo. Then they put their hands over the ears and began shouting. The world don't want to hear that. They rushed him. They dragged him. And they stoned him. His accusers took off their coats and laid him at the feet of the young man named Saul. And they stoned him. Here's what persecuted does. Not persecutors. Here's what the persecuted does when they're living a life filled with the Holy Spirit with their eyes on Jesus. Here's what they do. <laughs> Stephen prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees and he said, don't lay this sin at their charge. Jesus said something like that too, but what does Jesus do? Jesus is sitting, right? Oh no, hear me church. If God is the same yesterday, today and forever, and he is, when Stephen was persecuted for the glory of God, he got up. And he looked out. He said, that's my boy. That's my boy. As if to say what? You stand at the national anthem in honor of the liberty that you and I have been given. 
Some of you in this room, when you feel something come over you that's bigger than you, you stand up and you just, you just lift your hands up towards heaven. Why? Because you're fixing your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. And you just say, here my Lord, send me. I don't even understand all that, but here am I, God. But when we see in Scripture, one time, the law of first mention says this, it will follow that process throughout eternity. When you get beaten and you get persecuted and the hundred million that are persecuted right now as we sit in this room, mamas that are having to make a decision between giving up faith in Christ or their child being burned alive over hot coals, what would you do then, mama and daddy? I'll tell you what people are doing. They're saying, I can't renounce the faith I have in Christ Jesus. Though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. And Jesus stands up and he says, that's my girl. That's my baby. Don't you dare think, church, that you're alone. When you start going through hell on earth, you're not alone. He knows where you are. He knows what you've been through. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows every involvement of every aspect of your life. And Jesus ain't always seated. You see, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 says. And when God created you, he took a stand back of all and said, I made that. The only other time we see him standing up is when he takes his rightful place on the judgment seat to render that judicial depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you or when he steps up and says hey good job come in to all that I had prepared for you where will you where will you spend eternity but like David says, and I love this, hey, don't live today like you could die tomorrow. Live today like you could live tomorrow. That there's people in our community, there's people out there, man, that don't know Jesus Christ like you do. Maybe they've never heard it. Maybe they don't come to church because nobody has looked at them and says, hey, I'd love for you to come to my church. You don't have to clean them up. God didn't call you to do that. He said, I'll just make you a fisher of men. Just do your part. Where are you today? As we unveil this persecuted series, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at it now and I go, wow, man, I'm really never, ever been persecuted. I may have a bad day. Somebody may say something erroneous about me. Pray for them. Love them. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you a question today. Do you know that you know that you know? That if you died right now, you spent eternity in heaven. Do you know that the finished work of the cross has been applied to your life? Do you know that? Have you received Jesus today? If you've not, you say, Mark, I'm a good guy. Man, I'm a church member. My dad's a deacon. Hey, I, I used to be a pastor. But you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart to forgive you your sin, to cleanse you of your unrighteousness, your bankruptcy of your heart. Hey, why not settle that down right now? Settle it right now. Just settle it out. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The wages of that sin is death. That's what we deserve, separation from the holy God for all eternity. But he says in Romans 6.23, part B, he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. I love that word gift because it implies this. Gift is something that I don't buy for myself. It's somebody that gives me because they love me. So right now, 
right where you sit. If you never prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, would you do it right now? Just pray this prayer from your heart to God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your own works, lest you should boast. It is the gift of God. Say, Dear God in heaven, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. That I have failed you. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. To cleanse me. To be the Lord of my life. Save me. And help me to live for you until the day that I die. Every head bowed and every head bowed and every eye closed. If you pray that this morning, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you, but I want you to lift your hand up right now, unapologetically. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Lift it up high. God bless you, little one. God bless you, son. I'm gonna have a- Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com.